What's going on, everybody? This is JVB, and you're listening to a new episode of the Postgame Report. So the New York Giants advance in the playoffs. They defeat the Minnesota Vikings by seven points, 31 to 24. Now, in, in typical Giants fashion, it went down to the wire. The Vikings were moving, but the defense, as much as they were struggling throughout the game, they held the Vikings to 24 points and closed out the game to secure a win for the New York Giants. The Daniel Jones led New York Giants. And the reason why I bring up Daniel Jones, and we're going to start off with him, is because he had a fantastic breakout game. This was his first playoff uh, appearance, and he delivered. A lot of people have been very critical of Daniel Jones for the last four years, and Look, he was a turnover machine. He had a bunch of different coaches. The offensive line has always been an issue with Daniel Jones being behind center. And things just didn't mesh. So seeing what Daniel Jones has become in the last month or so, it is it is really great to see as a New York Giants fan. I'm not one of those Daniel Jones haters. I'm not one of those Daniel Jones apologists. I am a fan of the New York Giants. So regardless of the quarterback, I'm going to support whoever the hell is our starting quarterback. Plain and simple. And it's hard not to like Daniel Jones. He's a quiet guy. He's a team player. He's a hard worker. And he shows that on the field, despite all of the turnovers that he had, since day one, the kid showcased toughness. And so you got to like a player like that. Now, whether those attributes equal talent, that's a different story. But this year, and you've seen the progression where Daniel Jones was performing okay. And then little by little, as the games progressed, you saw Daniel Jones progress and become more comfortable playing the traditional quarterback role, meaning instead of designing runs or taking off and not passing or just simply passing four yards a pop, now we see Daniel Jones stepping back, sitting in the pocket, and taking, delivering pinpoint throws to receivers past the first down marker. And that's all you can ask for because you combine that with his sneaky athletic ability. Remember, this kid played basketball at Duke. So he's not some slouch sitting back there. He's a lot faster than you than you expect. And that really catches defenses off guard. He's 6'5", so he's a long strider. So Daniel Jones, from a, from a statistical standpoint, had... 35 passing attempts, 24 completions. His yardage was 301, and he had two touchdowns. He was sacked three times. But uh, as far as running the ball, Daniel Jones rushed for seven, uh, 17 attempts, and he had 78 yards. He had 4.6 yards per carry. Now, that would be a little more, but you have to consider the uh, kneeling, the victory formation at the end. 
Barkley was explosive. Saquon Barkley. He didn't have many rushing attempts. He only had nine. But he averaged 59, uh, excuse me, he averaged 5.9 yards a carry. And most importantly, he had two rushing touchdowns. He was making people miss. He was playing physical. And that explosive ability that he had during his, what was it, 28-yard touchdown run, you saw the combination of speed, awareness, and vision. So it is great to see what Saquon Barkley is capable of doing in, in the playoff game because this is his first playoff game as well. And Saquon Barkley was in used heavily in the running game. You had Breida, and then you had Saquon Barkley being used in the passing game. He had five catches for 56 yards. So Saquon Barkley is being used as a weapon. He's being used as a decoy. And big, big kudos to Breida. He ran for a first down that reminded me of uh, the gentleman Mark Ingram, I believe. Yeah, Mark Ingram during the Buffalo Bills game where Mark Ingram broke a bunch of tackles because he caught the ball short of a first down. He broke a bunch of tackles, slithered his way into a first down. Breida did something very similar. And that was crucial. I mean, every first down is crucial. But Breida's uh, will to not fall down really encapsulates what the Giants are all about. I mean, a lot of people were talking about uh, Galladay. He had a nice pancake block on a cornerback. And everybody was pumped on the sidelines. Even the fan base was pumped. Those little moments, can, you know, they, they, they keep the momentum going because, the, as I talked about last week, even though the New York Giants lost against the Eagles and they played a bunch of backups, the confidence was there. You, and you sensed it. The entire team was confident. So that obviously continued into this Minnesota Viking game. And fortunately for the New York Giants, and unfortunately for the Philadelphia Eagles, the Giants are going into, the, into their home territory for a huge matchup, the third time they're going to meet. And the Giants are going to have all the confidence in the world, all the momentum coming in behind them. And the Giants are a dangerous team. I, I stated that a few weeks ago, and we are seeing that. So anyway... Uh, the wide receivers, you actually had Hodges, who was playing despite a bad ankle injury, and the kid looked great. He had over 100 yards receiving. He had eight receptions. He had a, touch, a touchdown, excuse me. And then you had Slayton, who had a big drop towards the end of the game. Had he made that reception, he too would have had 100 yards receiving. Uh, Barkley, as I stated, had 56 yards. Richie James, who's been 
one of the more consistent slot receivers for the New York Giants, as a matter actually. He only had four catches for 31 yards, but he had a very big catch and run. So everyone's contributing on offense. And quite frankly, that can only happen when the offensive line is blocking. Now, the Minnesota Vikings have a weakness in the passing game. So the Giants didn't try to run as much. It's apparent because Saquon Barkley only had nine rushing attempts. Jones had a few running plays designed for him. One was called back because of a penalty, uh, which resulted in a touchdown. So there was only a few designed plays for Daniel Jones to run. For the most part, they attacked via the pass. Now, the fact that Daniel Jones was only sacked three times, and one of those sacks, he took the sack to keep the clock running towards the end of the game. So he could have thrown it away. He could have maybe rushed out of bounds or something, get two yards and go out of bounds. But he decided to take the sack and let the clock keep running and have Minnesota use one of their timeouts. So I really don't count that sack. Now, there was pressure by the Minnesota Vikings. Daniel Jones was using his legs to escape, either maneuvering in the pocket or simply taking off for a big run. So the fact that there was really two sacks that was earned, uh, there could have been more had there been a less mobile quarterback, obviously. But for the most part, the New York Giants offensive line held up. They held up enough to score 31 freaking points. So the, the offensive line is gaining some confidence. They're playing within the system. They're playing together. And they're showing that they have this cohesiveness that's very important for offensive lines. So... That is a positive. Evan Neal, he was he was going up against a really tough pass rusher in Hunter. He was giving up some pressure, but Daniel Jones was able to get around him. The, uh, Evan Neal is once again going to go up against some really good pass rushes that the Philadelphia Eagles have. I mean, they, they led the league in sacks. So once again... The New York Giants offensive line is going to find themselves going up against a really potent pass rushing unit. The big question is, do the Giants continue to go with the pass first? Or do they change the game plan and try to wear out that interior of the defensive line for the Eagles? It's going to be very interesting. Because the Eagles know that Saquon Barkley is still the the focal point of this offense. But now you have to respect the fact that Daniel Jones might pass. And not do any type of trickery pass. He'll drop back in a traditional style and deliver some pinpoint uh, passes down the field. So this team is going to be different from an offensive standpoint, than what the Eagles saw during the season. And that is going to favor the New York Giants. Now, can they execute? 
and make the Eagles, you know, it's going to be tricky because the Eagles can score, obviously. But that defense, the Giants can keep them away from a, a third and long and negate that dangerous pass rush that the Eagles have. Which the Giants can do with this, with the way they were, you know, they were showing new wrinkles in the offensive scheme. Uh, they could keep the game, the game close, and that's when it's close in the fourth quarter. You know, that's all you can ask for. There's always a chance that you can go into Philadelphia's hometown, home stadium, and come out with an upset. So, defensively, the Giants give up 24 points. Kirk Cousins was, he wasn't sacked, but man, he was getting beat up. (laughs) uh, Dexter Lawrence, the dude just looks bigger and badder than everybody on the football field. It it is just crazy. He was going up against Cushenberry, who's a smaller center, and people were saying, oh, you know, he's going to use his technique to negate. Dexter Lawrence in the in the passing game, that didn't work. Dexter Lawrence was destroying double teams, hitting freaking Kirk Cousins. I mean, he was smacking them, not just hitting them. There was one point where Dexter Lawrence was in the air and just freaking landed on Kirk Cousins. I mean, he was hurting them. And you can kind of see it. Kirk Cousins had an internal clock that was a little quicker than he wanted to. And that came in handy. I mean, that was a crucial moment in that fourth down play. It was fourth down and eight. Minnesota needed to obviously convert in order to keep their chances going for possibly tying the game towards the end. And Dexter Lawrence didn't give Cousins any time to sit back and try to hit Jefferson. Instead, he went short and hit uh, Hawkinson. And thankfully, Xavier McKinney was able to, you know, match Hawkinson physically and bring him down way short of the first down in the New York Giants advance in the playoffs. But besides Dexter Lawrence, in in the first half, you saw Leo Williams really playing aggressively, getting penetration. But as I stated in a few, few episodes, the Giants... In the middle of the field, they don't have those type of players that can cover a tight end and force a a quarterback like Cousins to hesitate a little longer so that the pass rush could get there. Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Thibodeau was being tackled and hugged. I mean, they, they weren't calling, holding on him. Those guys, as quickly as they were getting there, you can't... You know, especially a veteran like Cousins, he knows that he has Hawkinson and Jefferson. He just has to throw it in their direction, especially Hawkinson. He was really, and granted, that probably was the plan to just leave him uh, one-on-one with either a cornerback or a safety and let him be the one to beat the Giants on defense. Because Hawkinson was freaking eating up yards. It seemed like the Minnesota Vikings were able to move at will. Granted, there was a big offside that forced the Vikings to, to from a fourth and one to a fourth and six. 
mean, they had to go for a field goal. This game could have been a whole lot different. It could have been tied at 31 apiece. So the, the pass rush was getting there, especially in the interior. And that is going to be important against the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Thibodeau was going to have to have one of those games where he's a disruptor. Lane Johnson is not going to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. So that is an advantage to the Giants, hopefully, you would think. And you have Kelsey at center for the Eagles, but the combination of Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, that's going to cause some issues in the passing game. And if Hurts is not 100%, he might not have that. He might have some maneuverability in the pocket, but he won't take off as often. And I, I mean, it's pretty safe to say he definitely does not want to see, or let me rephrase this. I'm sure Hurts, Jalen Hurts, saw what was happening to Kirk Cousins, and he said to himself, I am not letting that big dude, Dexter Lawrence, abuse me like that. Now, Cousins was letting, letting go of the ball before the, before the sack occurred. There were times where he was throwing the ball with guys on him. And that, uh, Kirk Cousins, that is. But regardless, they were, they were hurting him. So Jalen Hurts, it's pretty safe to say that he is fearful that that can occur. He might let go of the ball, but he will be punished. And that's going to wear him down because he's coming off an injury. So that's a positive, hopefully, that we can see for the New York Giants on defense because Justin Jefferson looked in the first quarter, looked like he was going to just destroy the Giants secondary. Surprisingly so. He was a non-factor in the second half. As a matter of fact, Thielen, you know, he had some big catches. He's a very good number two uh, number two receiver. So Thielen was, you know, starting to wake up a little bit. But Hawkinson was destroying the Giants, especially in the middle. So when you think of this, the, the Philadelphia Eagles on offense, they have a good tight end. They have two really talented receivers in Smith and Brown. And then you have Jalen Hurts, who is – a great running quarterback. And then you have Miles Sanders who can break one. So you do have talent all across the board for the Philadelphia Eagles, very similar to the, to the Vikings. What is a positive, despite the Giants defense not looking that good. I mean, the end result is that the Giants won. But there was never a point where I felt comfortable watching the defense uh, trying to hold the Vikings. What gives the Giants an advantage coming into the matchup against the Eagles is that they had to play a very talented offensive team as well. A team that has a Pro Bowl running back in Cook, one of the top two receivers in the league in Justin Jefferson, and then you have a Pro Bowl tight end. And then you have a very competent number two wide receiver. The big difference is that Kirk Cousins can't run. So you can't 
as much as the Giants were getting there as far as pressure, pressuring Kirk Cousins, that's because they didn't fear him rushing out of the pocket. Whereas Hurts, you really can't go 100% because then if he breaks contain, he's gone. So there's an advantage and there's a disadvantage. So the secondary went up against some very tough opponents. The linebackers, they were getting killed by the tight end. That's nothing new for the New York Giants defense. It's been like that for a long time. And the pass rush was getting there. They didn't get the sacks, but they were getting close. So maybe that's enough to compete with the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe the New York Giants come away with a with an upset. <laughs> now I'm not got, I'm not as confident as I was against the Vikings. I slay, uh, I stated that the New York Giants would win against the Vikings because their first matchup the Giants should have won that matchup. The last game against the Philadelphia Eagles, the Eagles needed that win in order to solidify the top spot and get a, a bye week in the playoffs and get home field advantage. So it wasn't as if the Philadelphia Eagles were just taking it easy against the Giants' third and fourth stringers. The, the backups for the New York Giants were making it tough on the Eagles. And of course, there's a mental aspect where they figured, you know what, we are more talented than this team. We should just coast and destroy this team. It's the last week of the season. We can beat this team. No, they had to come out and actually start playing a real game. That momentum affected the entire team for the New York Giants. And that also put the Eagles on notice that, hey, listen, if we do face the Giants, we better take them serious, even though we beat them twice in the regular season. Because it's a different team. The Eagles have are going to see three different versions of this New York Giants team. The first game that they destroy the Giants, the backups in the, in the last game of the season, and now they're going to see um, they're going to see a New York Giants team that has most of the starters back. Dory Jackson, having him back, and Xavier McKinney, that is astronomical. So the Eagles are going to see a different New York Giants team. A team with confidence, a team with a passing attack, a running attack, and a team that can generate a pass rush with its front four. Now there are weaknesses, once again, at linebacker, and that's going to really, uh, you know, I, I would assume the offensive coordinators are going to take advantage of that. And it could make life really difficult because the offensive line for the Eagles do have some really talented players, even without Lane Johnson. So... It's not going to be a cakewalk for the New York Giants. And it won't be a cakewalk for the Eagles either. I, I said I have this 2007 New York Giants vibe. And I'm going to keep going with that because I still feel it. And I feel like the New York Giants are going to upset the Philadelphia Eagles at home. 
well, at the Eagles' uh, home stadium. They're going to shock the world. They're going to go into Philadelphia and shock the world by beating the Eagles. And it's going to be, it's going to be because everything is working together. The offense, they're capable of passing. They are capable of running. The defense is doing just enough to hold teams to where they score less than the offense. And that's how you win football games. It's that easy. But because it's, and I mean easy in the sense that it's that simple, right? You score more points than your opposing team. But of course, there's way more to the game of football than just that. Everybody needs to win their assignments. All 22 players. Well, actually all 53 players because the Giants use a lot of different players. So... I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a diehard New York Giants fan. I started doing this audio, this podcast, because, well, I've been podcasting, podcasting since 2005, but I, this year I started to talk about the New York Giants every week because I'm, I'm a diehard New York Giants fan since the 80s. So I wanted to just share my excitement for this upcoming season I didn't expect much. I expected a coaching staff that was going to be competent and a coaching staff that was going to coach our players to play as good as they can, as good as their talent can take them. I wasn't expecting things to work out so quickly. And as a testament to the coaches, to the GM, and to the players, I mean, you have Saquon Barkley, who is a superstar. Daniel Jones had to fight through a lot of adversity. Even, even the fans, New York Giants fans, they still don't like him. He had to block that out. And then you had an offensive line that was unproven. And by the way, Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence, they are all pros this year. That is insane when you consider that Dexter Lawrence because he was drafted at number 17. Dexter Lawrence, some people were considering him a bust, which is crazy because the kid always displayed talent. He always displayed uh, uh, an ability to rush the passer from the interior. He was just used wrong. And now you're seeing that he's used correctly. He was given proper coaching to take his advantage of his freakish, freakish size and strength. And quickness, because he's quick for a big guy. And now he's dominating. He is dominating. I mean, he's, this is not a fluke. Dexter Lawrence is, is a dominant force. And on defense, that's where it's all going to start. With Dexter Lawrence, and then everybody else just needs to step it up and, and match his energy. Plain and simple. So, I'm going to wrap it up. Once again, the New York Giants, we advanced in the playoffs. Unbelievable. I mean, what a, what a great season for this New York Giants organization. For us, the fans, it's been quite a ride, and it continues. And I have a strong feeling that it's going to continue for quite some time this playoff season. So 
We'll see. We'll see next week. So I'm JVB. I'll talk to you guys next time. Take care.